beautiful. Father, we thank you so much for your grace upon our lives. We thank you for your mercies. Your word says that we should come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We thank you for loving us that when we were lost, we were captured and sent. You descended from your throne, stripped yourself of all honor, majesty, reputation, took the form of a servant just to deliver us from the bondage of darkness. We thank you that even as you saved us, you sealed us with the sweet Holy Spirit. You sealed us. You gave us a mark, a mark of identity symbolizing that we belong to you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for who you have made us, for what you have given us, where you have placed us, and what you have given us. The grace to make the most out of it. Now, regarding the abilities you've given us, O oh Lord, we stand as vessels according to your word. Flow through us. So we have this treasure in it in vessels, so that the excellency of the power will be of God and not of the enemy. We recognize that all sufficiency is of you. For by strength shall no man be made. According to your word in Isaiah 55, O oh Lord. Thus it so be your word that word forth out of your mouth. That it shall not return unto you void, but shall accomplish that which is sent. It shall prosper in the destination for which it is supposed to go. Father, as I dispense the most undiluted word of Christ. Bring illumination to the hearts of your people. According to Ephesians 1, 7, that you give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding, wisdom of wisdom and revelation. The verse 8, it says, The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know and understand the hope of which you have called us. According to 1 Chronicles 12, 32, the Bible says, The Lord, the children of Grant us understanding, Lord, and let our understanding have a touch of your light. Bring illumination to every dark area in our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus, at this moment, let the flesh be subdued and let spirit have preeminence. We bring the flesh into subjection to the spirit, that the spirit will dominate at this point in time. So that there will be a constant synchronicity of my spirit with the spirit of God. So much that we will be able to download in the name of the Lord Jesus messages from the archives of heaven. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for loving us. something I've entitled The Programming of Life. 
the program, you know, shall we read the scripture from Jeremiah, from verse 1, chapter 1, from verse 1, Jeremiah, chapter 1, from verse 1, says, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the third Also, in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Joseph, king of Judah, and until the end of his 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Verse 4 says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go and whatever command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my rest in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to black destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an armed branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. I am watching over my word to perform it. Now shall we jump to Jeremiah 29? says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me, verse 12, and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. He said, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, a very beautiful portion of scripture. It's a very beautiful portion of scripture. And then I want us to read something from Isaiah. Verse 1 says, For who has believed what he has heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. 
was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The seven says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and he like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that? He was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. the portion of scripture I just read in Isaiah is actually an exposition given by Isaiah the prophet concerning our Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was the type of the living God. I use the word was, and I know many people would, um, would find the case against it. I said was because we understand that he was the son Christ is no longer the only begotten Son, but in Him, in Christ, we have become begotten sons, right? That is just by the way. So Isaiah was actually a major prophet in the Bible, and uh, he was one of the prophets who gave a detailed exposition of the Christ who was to come. Now, everything he gave about the Christ was accurate. And everything he said about Jesus was said before Jesus Christ was born. Now, remember that Isaiah was a man, a mortal, living in the realm of time. Because the Bible says, in the beginning God created. It means creation falls within the context of time. 
So in the beginning, God created the heavens and he created the earth. The Bible says, and the earth was without form and void darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then the spirit of the Lord brewed upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be, and there was, let there be light. And light came into existence. Now Isaiah the prophet, having shown the programming of a person's life, a person who was programmed by eternity to be the savior of the men who are living in the realm of time or the realm of the physical. This Isaiah was taken into deep, into 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 a deeper a deeper communion with the Lord, and then by virtue of that communion and by that premise, he gained the the privilege to be shown the programming of a person's life, and that man is Christ. His name was shown him. His purpose was shown him. His agenda was shown him. This is what we call the programming of life. Now, when you go to Jeremiah chapter 1, the Bible says, Before I formed you, I knew you. And before you were you, you came forth, I ordained you, or I consecrated you a prophet. And I ordained you as a prophet unto the nation. If God is saying, before you came forth, I did, then it, 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 it um, comes to reason that everything the Lord is speaking about concerning Jeremiah's life was something that took place in the realm, either than the realm of time or that of the physical. It means that it was programmed, this programming, was done or this configuration of Jeremiah's life was done before he came to the world which means that even whilst the world has not embraced the prophet called Jeremiah yet heaven has already recognized him as a prophet heaven has already recognized him as a consecrated one to be consecrated means to be dedicated or to be secreted separated for sacred purposes so this man called Jeremiah had already been separated, right? In the womb, he was separated before he was born. Now, how true is this fact? Apostle Paul confirmed this fact in Galatians chapter 1 verse 15. He says, And when it pleased God, who called me from my mother's womb? You see, so Paul is actually saying that God called him from his mother's womb. So his calling was not a matter of salvation, of coming to receive salvation and then after was walking in that calling, but that the calling was something that had already been programmed or ordained before he came into existence. Well, contrary to this fact, we see the fact that Apostle Paul had a very controversial lifestyle for the fact that he was a member of the Sahindrins. Whether a member of the Sahindrins or a lower class, we understand that he was trained by a, a sophisticated Jew called Gamaliel. And this Gamaliel was an expert in the law of Moses, an expert. So Paul, given his credentials with regards to 
the law he spoke in Philippians chapter 3 that we are the circumcision verse 3 we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit and we do not give space or we do not give opportunity to the flesh now he began to name what he meant the context of that was what he named subsequently that he was a Jew a Jew he was a persecutor he was he was he was um, he was circumcised on the eighth day which was a custom of the Jews by virtue of the covenant the Lord had with Abraham so he gave all these credentials and then we we understand that he was very controversial in Acts chapter 8 the Bible says that he consented with the death of Stephen Paul consented with the death of Stephen and in fact he went to the to the religious authorities just for a letter or an um, an a, 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 a document that proves that they the religious leaders have approved of his terminating the lives of those who prefer, profess the name Jesus without abiding by the laws of Moses that they have been well acquainted with right so we understand this that when Paul was going to Damascus on his way the Bible says that the Lord encountered him so when he encountered the Lord the Bible says a light shone and then he was blinded and fell to the ground and then he heard a voice saying Saul so why persecuted thou me and he says who art thou Lord Paul was saying who are you Lord so Paul recognized the lordship of jesus so he said who art thou lord and then the lord says i am jesus whom thou persecutest for it is hard for thee to kick against the priest so before all this took 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 place or before all this transpired we understand that paul was a very controversial personality who was so much well vexed and blinded by the law that he did not know the actual or the proper way of serving God. He admitted in 1 Timothy 1 that it was as a result of his zeal that he persecuted the church. It was not as a result of hatred for God. It was actually as a result of love and zeal, a passion that was not properly channeled or a passion that was not founded upon knowledge and understanding. So he persecuted the church. Now someone would say all this side of source life, all this um, unpleasant area of source life, how could it be ever said that it was part of the programming of life? Because Paul says in his own words that he was called from his mother's womb. Why didn't he walk according to that programming right from birth? Why did he not walk? Now, I believe we will get to understand this better as we go on. Now, what is a programming? A programming is a fashion, it's a creation, it's a configuration of a person's life. Actually, it is an ICT term. It's an ICT term that explains the creation of a system and um, determining the function of the system from the beginning to the end which means that a computer programmer knows the end of what is programming right from the beginning 
right a computer programmer knows the end of what is programming right from the beginning now programming in itself requires that the person in question or the person who is programming who is involved in this programming would know the end of a thing because it is something that the person is trying to achieve and is trying to create something to function in a certain way so he has to know the end from the beginning now taking into account all the scriptures that i have read it comes to reason that the life of every personality on the surface of the earth has already been programmed in the realm of eternity you have already been programmed in the realm of eternity programming in the realm of eternity now when a programmer an ICT an information technologist prepares or produces or manufactures a program right or creates a program the program is known to him its functionalities and everything is known to him and obviously obviously he created it to function the best way according to his perspective so man was created to function according to god's perspective and not according to man's perspective in other words the programming would be based largely on how the Lord thinks, how the Lord perceives things, and how the Lord has purposed things. Which also means that the programming of everyone's life would be a part or a component of the entire plan of God upon the earth. The entire plan of God upon the surface of the earth. This programming is created. The programming of a person's life is something that is already created in the archives of God. It is something that is already residing or dwelling with God. And it is God who has access to this programming. Now, Satan does not have access to the programming of a person's life. Right? Before then, the programming of a person's life has to do with the emergence of the person on the earth then the way his life is supposed to go that is the programming that is how his life is supposed to go on the earth so it was the life was actually created in the realm of eternity and then it was supposed to manifest in the realm of the physical so when you are you are born you are supposed to take a certain route a certain path you are supposed to walk according to the programming or the plan or the purpose of god for your life and because of the person of god because of the attributes of god because of the nature of god which is perceived by scripture to 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 be loving to be caring to be merciful to be gracious right according to this person personality of god we understand that god created that programming to end well in other words he did not create man to follow a programming that will lead him to obscurity but a programming that will lead him to light a programming that will lead him to exaltation a programming that will lead him to abundance 
a programming that was intended to lead to lead man to glory that is it by virtue of the personality of god or the nature of god because that is his nature and everything he does everything he does is a reflection of his nature so god's nature is love and we know love is sacrificial love gives love put the needs of others first so if we have to consider this personality of god then we would have to understand that god created man to glorify man because because retrogression darkness obscurity is not a thing that is associated with god and his kingdom i hope the understanding is coming right so we understand this by jeremiah 29 verse 11 we say is that i know the thoughts that i think towards you so there is a thought that god is thinking towards a man there is a thought that god is thinking towards a man now don't forget that the thought there is the word logos okay i am not going into that yet the thought okay he said i know the thoughts that i think towards you thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end so we understand that the programming of life of a person's life was supposed the ending of a programming of a person's life is called an expected end that is the end part of the programming of a person's life not necessarily the beginning but the ending part of a person's life is supposed to be called an expected end and that expected end is revealed by God's perspective for the fact that he says that the thought that I think towards you is peace or good and not of evil if the thought is good only or good continually then we would have to understand that our expected end will surely be good so the programming of life is God's idea of glorifying the creation called man it is God's idea of of navigating the path of the man that he has created so by that programming by that programming the lord and the entities of heaven navigates your life now i said that satan does not have access to the programming of a person's life people have this erroneous belief or erroneous perception about Satan that he knows all things but it is not true he does not know all things because there are certain attributes that are associated with God alone because you see God is sovereign and then he reserves something under the auspices of his sovereignty alone so there are things that he does as a result of his sovereignty that no other creation or creature no other man or beast or anything will be able to do he created man according to his image but he reserves certain things for himself alone certain decisions this is seen in matthew chapter 20 where the mother of james and john came to jesus and said jesus we want your I want my children, this my children, James and John, to sit one at your right, one at your left in your kingdom. Then Jesus says, woman, do you know what you are saying? Do you know the weight, the magnitude of the word you are uttering? For the fact that I am going to drink of a cup, symbolizing the sacrifice that he was going to um, 
endure. He says that, are they able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? That was a question Jesus asked them. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And then they said, yes, we are able to drink of the cup that you shall drink of. Then he says that, even if you're able to drink of the cup I shall drink of, which is, in other words, in drinking, the drinking of the cup gives you the ability, it gives you the access, it gives you the capability of sitting in a higher position in God's kingdom. Because drinking of the cup symbolizes sacrifice, and sacrifice releases power. A person who sacrifices would be ahead of a person who does not sacrifice advantage-wise, that is in interacting with the realm of the spirit. So the person would give would gain a grand advantage in the realm of the spirit than someone who does not live a life of sacrifice. So Jesus was actually saying that sacrifice gives you access or it gives you the opportunity, the ability, the capability to sit beside me in my kingdom. But remember one thing, that the sovereignty of God covers it all. In other words, even though you may still you may have the ability or the opportunity to sit before me or by me in my kingdom, but you see, by, by virtue of your sacrifice, but remember that the sovereignty of God comes to play. In other words, God would have to decide because it is not mine to give. Your sacrifice stands the chance of giving you that but it is not mine to give this is the reason why sometimes i i i come to disagree a little just a little bit not so much because um of certain facts but i come to disagree a little bit about this process thing that we talk about that god is a god of process yes god is a god of process but when sovereignty of god comes to play we do not see usually the the, the process coming to play we do not see much of the process coming to play to play in other words man people believe that man or a christian is supposed to go through processes okay processes in becoming great in becoming great he has to go through processes okay now for instance when a person has to become a great minister of the gospel for instance he he is supposed to go through processes to become that maybe becoming born again then um it will take years of prayers praying for a very long time it will take a life of sacrifice a life of honoring men of god a life of sowing seeds a life of all sort of things that we know about right to become great okay because we believe that servanthood is a foundation that everyone who emerged as victorious must stand on but this this um is not necessarily true i believe 100 percent in process but we have to give place for the sovereignty of god because we understand that the disciples apart from apostle paul had the opportunity to be with the Lord Jesus. And John in his own words says, that which has been from the beginning, according to 1 John 1, 1, he says, that which has been from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. This truth is parallel, parallel with scripture for the fact that John himself spoke that the disciple, he referred himself as a disciple who leaned on the bosom of Jesus. So these people were men who had direct interaction with Jesus, both physical and spiritual with Jesus. They had direct close contact with Christ. 
Alright, so they have been with Christ and then Jesus Christ had to take them through a lot of processes. Okay, so Jesus Christ took them through process. And the process was for the fact that when Jesus Christ called them, say, come and I will make you. That statement was given to those disciples who were called at that particular point in time. We did not hear that statement in Paul's case when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. We did not hear that. He said, come and I will make you. The making process was the walking within process. It was a process where the disciples were walking with him and seeing everything he was doing, speaking to them, impacting wisdom into them and all that. You see, because they were wrong materials and they have to be fashioned into vessels that could host God vessels that could could host the dimension of God so when we compare Acts chapter 3 Acts chapter 5 and then we compare Matthew chapter 4 verse 19 for instance when they come and I will make you to become fishers of men and then act where the Bible Acts chapter 4 verse 13 for instance when the Bible says that when they perceived Peter and John, and they realized that they were ignorant and unlearned men. They took knowledge of them that they have been with Jesus, right? They have been with Jesus. So now, the being from Matthew chapter 4 verse 19, where he called them and said, I will make you. The manifestation of the making was seen in conformity with Christ in power, in glory, okay? So they were conformed, they were trained, they were made to be conformed to that of Christ. So that is what we call process. But when Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, the Bible says, he said, Arise and go to Damascus, and it shall be told thee what you must do. Okay, what you must do. And we understand that immediately Paul started preaching the gospel. So this can um, explain the fact that there are people who get born again for several years, people who get born again for several years, and then um, for 20 years, and then let's say 20 years and then they 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 still are not maturing or they still cannot dispense the word in a certain way or they still cannot function in the realm of the spirit as they should you see it, it, it is not it doesn't tally or it is not consistent their manifestation okay or their works are not consistent with the number of years that they have been with jesus Figuratively, figuratively speaking, okay. So now, that is where the sovereignty of God comes to play, okay. That is where the sovereignty of God comes to play. Now, this programming of life, this programming of life, as I stated already, is God's idea. Satan does not have access to it. God made it for Himself, exclusively for Himself. And Satan does not have access to it. Now, how does Satan then sustain the ability to capture men and stray them from the path of that programming for their lives? Before I go into that, remember that the programming is supposed to be like a scroll, okay? A, a example, a scroll. And remember that a scroll unfolds bit by bit as a reader is moving along with it so in those days for instance the bible says that in 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 luke chapter 4 that jesus was given the scroll and as he he opened the scroll he read the prophecy of isaiah concerning himself in verse 18 which is the spirit of the lord is upon me which was um um the 
New Testament or the New Covenant rendition of Isaiah chapter 61. Alright, so so when he read that, he read that from a scroll. And you know, we don't just unfold a scroll, depending on how big, how big it is and what you are reading. So as you are reading, you are unfolding as you are going along. That is why how God programmed a man's life to unfold bit by bit on this planet Earth. So if you are supposed to live at the age of 80, for the age of 80, if you are supposed to live according to the programming of your life, if you are supposed to live at the age of 80, that 80 years will be broken into phases. Okay, it, it will be broken into phases. If you are supposed to live for 80 years, that 80 years span, okay, that 80 years span will be broken into phases. And you are supposed to enter every phase as you move along or as the scroll-like programming is being unfolded. Alright, so that programming of life becomes to play, okay, until you are born, God keeps it. And usually, there are people whose life on earth have been predicted before they are coming. Okay, have been predicted before they are coming. There are several reasons why people are born, and there are several reasons why people are in, are, 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 are brought into the world, or there are several reasons why people appear appear in this world. There are several reasons. People appear in this world sometimes because people requested for them, or because they were supposed to come and take the place of people who could not fulfill a certain destiny. And the destiny of your life or the programming of your life is very necessary and you must work according to it because if you do not, it hinders the entire programming of God or it hinders the entire purpose because your programming is supposed to be a part of God's original plan. Which means that when you work according to the purpose for your life, it has a contribution it makes to God's kingdom. So if you don't work on it, you are making, you are causing a loss in God's kingdom. Alright. Now, that programming, that programming, as I said, unfolds bit by bit. Now, when you are born, when you are born, angels rejoice. The kingdoms of darkness <laughs> Are in disarray because a great person has been born. Understand that the Bible says children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are the heritage. Another word for heritage, I believe, is inheritance. So children are actually God's inheritance, and inheritance are supposed to be used to serve the purpose of the person who is inheriting. So, if children are the heritage of the Lord, then it doesn't matter how children are born. It doesn't matter how they are born, whether they are born legitimately or illegitimately. Apparently, I do not encourage illegitimate birth because the Bible is against fornication. So, I do not encourage that. Neither do I encourage you giving birth or out of marriage or engaging in extramarital affairs. It is against the very ordinance of our kingdom. But I want you to understand this fact, alright, that children are a heritage of the Lord, irrespective of how they came into the world. That's it. Irrespective of how they came into the world, they are God's heritage, which means that God has a programming for their life. 
God has a purpose for their life. We do not really have a detailed, a detailed um, explanation or a detailed exposition of how Jeremiah was born. But we understand that God says that before you were born, he did not state whether it was legitimately or illegitimately. Alright. So he says, I found you in the womb. And what the Lord does for one, he does for another. Because we see in the life of Jesus Christ that his entire life was programmed. If his entire life was not programmed, it would be very, very, it would be very, very controversial. Or it would be very, very confusing to accept the fact that Jeremiah had access to his life, his name, his purpose. Which means that there is an archive of God where the programming of men on earth are kept. So people sustain the ability to see through by virtue of their relationship with God. Because the Bible says that the Lord will do nothing according to Amos chapter 7 verse 14. But he revealed his secret to his servants the prophet. Alright. The Lord will do nothing but he revealed his secret to his servants the prophet so here we understand that the Lord did not do anything without revealing so everything had already been revealed and and the life of Jesus was revealed to Jeremiah because it has already been programmed how he has to die was there because Jeremiah predicted how he was born because when the Jeremiah sorry Isaiah sorry Isaiah actually said, Isaiah 53, the, the scripture I read from the beginning, Isaiah says that there was nothing to be desired of him. Why? Because he was the son of a carpenter and then he was born in Nazareth. Now remember, he was a Nazarene. Okay, he was born in Bethlehem actually, but he was a Nazarene. And um, we understand in scripture that Nazareth was one of the smallest and the less esteemed suburbs of Jerusalem. Okay, so now, now, how did I know that Nazareth was small or lightly esteemed? It was from from um, from Nathaniel's statement when Philip went to call him to come and see the Messiah or to come and see Jesus. When he came, when when sorry, when Philip went to Nathaniel, Nathaniel asked Philip, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" That statement alone reveals the fact that Nazareth was small. And why was that? Why did Jesus come from a less esteemed ground or a less esteemed background? He came from this less esteemed background in order to confound the seemingly wise religious leaders. Because it says that he, he takes the wise in his craftiness. And then he says that he confounds the wise. He chooses the foolish things of this world. God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Right? So God chose this foolish thing called Christ. Because according to what they have read, the Messiah must be um, a politically um, inclined person and I mean how considering the greatness of this Messiah he cannot come from a less esteemed background like Nazareth and then his father being the son of a carpenter and then he being born in a manger all right so you see all this he said so as I was saying that he was less or lightly esteemed 
he did not there was nothing good to be desired of him and truly it came to pass and then he spoke of his his death his his um his death his resurrection actually and then he spoke of his um crucifixion okay and he says that we esteemed him as i was saying we esteemed jesus to be stricken and smitten by god but actually it was because of our iniquities our iniquities was laid he was led like sheep to the slaughter okay and it was our iniquities that were laid upon him it was not just because he was smitten by god but it was our iniquity that compelled the lord to turn his face away from jesus yes because god actually turned his face away from jesus on the cross of calvary and we understand that by Jesus' own statement, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabatani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So Isaiah had access into the programming of Jesus' life. Right? He had access into the programming of Jesus' life. In other words, the programming had already existed. So when Jesus Christ was born, angels rejoiced, all right? Angels rejoiced because, I mean, the milestone has begun. The journey on earth has begun. The Savior the earth has been expected, has, has been expecting, has been born. The Savior that will put the kingdom of darkness in disarray has appeared. The Savior that will finally destroy the powers of darkness over a man and deliver man from the powers of darkness into his kingdom has appeared so the bible says joy to the world joy to the world hosanna the king is born the king is born so that is why christians sing joy to the world on the christmas day when jesus is born because the birth of a human being is actually supposed to be a joy to the world and not a pain to the world when the birth of a person has become a pain to the world rather than a joy to the world then there is a problem it means something has affected the people the person's navigation through the programming of his life according to god's predetermined counsel right because he was a every human being is supposed to be a joy to the world because he's supposed to be a part of what god is doing against the kingdom of darkness he is supposed to be a part of god's programming against the kingdom of darkness he's supposed to be a part of god's god's work god's work of 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 making sure that his kingdom have preeminence over the kingdom of darkness all right so when jesus is born angels rejoiced and then a portion of the programming was actually ticked in other words in the programming according to the programming for his life his he was consecrated from the womb then when he is actually brought forth into the world according to the programming of his life the first aspect was supposed to be ticked okay just like we take stuff we take stuff in other words it is already done so when he is he was born that aspect was ticked so angels rejoiced the same way when you were born angels rejoiced in other words you have been launched you are like god's product that is created you are like god's programming that is created you are like god's programming that has been fashioned that has been formed 
Alright, so every every manufacturer launches his product with joys, and many people rejoice because a new thing has been launched. That is how it is with God. That when you were born, it is it is symbolic of launching. You have been launched to the world. In other words, the moment something is launched, it has begin it has begun to function, and it has to function according to the predetermined counsel of the manufacturer, which means that if per adventure the, the 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 gadget or whatever material or whatever um, um has been produced is not functioning according to what has been predetermined it tarnishes the image the name of the manufacturer so when we are not working according to the programming of our lives it actually tarnishes the image of god or the image of christ Thus, because that wasn't the programming of God for our lives. That wasn't the programming. That is not the programming. The programming is supposed to take a, a, a certain pattern. Okay. So as you have been launched, you have to begin to function properly as determined already by the Creator. You have to begin to function as determined by the Creator. So, when you do not function that way, you bring a reproach to God. That is why a lot of people wonder if God is loving as Christians profess, or if God is righteous as Christians profess, or if Christianity is a religion, or if not for a religion, if Christianity is a life that is founded upon righteousness and true holiness. Because our lives do not usually go according to the programming of of our lives it do not actually go our lives do not go usually according to that and there are several reasons to that remember that the programming of your life is actually your destiny because it says that a destination or a destiny um um uh, an expected end okay an end of something or where a person is going is actually his destination which is the word destiny Alright, so your destiny is actually a part of that programming that on the purpose, on fulfilling the purpose for which you were born, you arrive at your destiny. So, God actually programmed your life that way that you arrived at the destination called expected end. That is where God wants you to arrive. So, the programming is complete and it is not shown to the devil. How then that the devil um, sustains the ability to stray men? sustains the ability to draw men or pull men out of the path that they are supposed to take. How does it do it? Now remember that the reason I said the programming is not known to Satan is because it's not all knowing, number one. Then secondly, it is in God's custody. Alright. The programming is in God's custody. Then now this programming According to the law of thermodynamics in physics, we understand that energy can neither be created nor destroyed in a chemical reaction, okay? Energy can neither be created nor destroyed, but can only change from one form to another. That is how the programming is. Your programming cannot be destroyed. It can only change from one state or one form to another. The destiny of your life the destiny you're supposed to live, the life you are, you see, there are men on earth today who are living other people's lives because they did not live the life they were supposed to live. And as long as that programming cannot be destroyed, it has to be lived, it has to be fulfilled. It is a purpose that must be fulfilled. So, 
just as a law of thermodynamics, it will not be destroyed, but it passes from one generation to the other. So if this generation is not, is not able to fulfill it, another generation will have to come and carry the torch. That is it. And, 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 and understand this, that if that generation also carries the torch and does not carry it well, the subsequent generation will also have to come and carry it. And the agenda, even if the first generation carries it, you see, it is broad. So even if the first generation carries it, it has, the, because our lives on earth are numbered, our days on earth are numbered. So definitely you will leave and then another person will have to continue. And if there have been errors, that person would, be, would have to correct those errors. So you see, the, the programming, according to the law of thermodynamics, it changes from one state to the other. It, it changes from one stage or one form to another. So the programming of your life, okay, will not be destroyed. But it is possible you shall you can live your entire life, you can spend your life on earth without living it, without working according to that programming. You see, the as I said earlier, the programming is in phases, okay, it's in phases, and probably at the age of 10, you are supposed to live a certain life. Probably at the age of 15, you're supposed to give your life to Christ. At the age of 20, you're supposed to be done with um, maybe tertiary education. Then at the age of 22, you're supposed to be to be writing books at the age of 25 you're supposed to be married according to the programming everything concerning your life is part of the programming and it is in the archives of god everything every detail the people you're supposed to meet are all part of this programming because there are people you are destined to meet on your path there are people you are not destined to meet there are there are people you're supposed to there, there is a woman you're supposed to marry or a man you are supposed to marry your spouse is already determined in the archives of heaven but you see all these struggles that we go through as a result of the fact that we've been blinded and we do not work according to that programming how does satan sustain the ability to distort a person's path how does he do it since he doesn't have access to the programming and he doesn't know what is next? Let me tell you, the longevity of Satan on the earth gives him so much advantage over man who has lived on the earth for a short while. So that advantage of Satan is what is giving him the grounds to study man. He has studied man. The person who came before you, okay, lived your kind of life. And the way you began your life, Satan knows that if he doesn't stop you, you are going to end up like that man 200 years who came to, to cause a lot of trouble and a lot of harm to his kingdom. So knowing this very well, when he sees that the man was a secluded, isolated kind of person who is always meditating on the word of God, he says, no, that person 200 years ago has, has lived this kind of life. And I know the end of this life. I know the expected end of this life. Every life that begins this way ends this way. That is why life in particular is determined from the beginning. You can tell a person's tomorrow by looking at the way he lives today, even our little experience. So you can imagine how much more Satan, how much more advantage the longevity of Satan has granted him. You can imagine that. So Satan sustains that ability. Okay. He sustains that ability to know things just by studying 
our lives. That is how he knows. That is so happy. How come he draws you out of that path? Because if he should allow you, irrespective of where you are, if you he should allow you, you would be used wonderfully by God to invade the systems of the world. You shall be used to invade the educational system, the governmental um sorry, the educational system, the governmental system, the entertainment system and all the system the family system and all that there are several systems that have to be invaded completely they have to we have to infuse and infiltrate it with the kingdom mindset all right so that is what the devil would prevent that is why he makes sure you do not work according to the programming of your life and actually the programming of your life benefits you even more more because at the end you arrive at an expected end and that expected end dwells in the confines of the Lord's goodness and the Lord's providential um, 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 abilities, alright, providential disposition, okay, God's providential disposition, alright, so that is why Satan sustains the ability to stop you before you get there, before you get there, alright, so this is the programming of your life and God expects you to walk according to that programming God expects you to walk according to that programming I want you to lift up your voice and pray that oh Lord give me discernment give me discernment give me discernment let there be discernment oh Lord May I walk greatly in the sentiment that I will descend the path that you have destined for my life to take. The path that you have prepared before the world began. The path that you have prepared before my life began. Oh Lord, Magoshata, I want you to pray at this moment and say, Father, redirect me, realign me, reposition me, resynchronize me, resynchronize my life with that of the programming from the foundations of the world. Lord, I want my life to be pleasing to you. I want to live according to what you have made my life to be like. Lord, may I not live according to the dictates of the flesh, the dictates of the, of men, the dictates of Satan, and the dictates of this secular environment. Oh God, take me out of carnality. Bring me to a position where my senses will be opened, where I will be sensitized to identify which is the right path to tread on, who is the right one for me to marry, and so forth. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Ah, in the name of the Lord Jesus. La kosha. This message will continue in the part two. This message continues in the part two. I am now about to enter and give you a detailed, a detailed orientation of the programming of your life. See you there and God bless you awesomely.